Coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen, it's the end of the year as we know it. Hong Kong heads to Hollywood for the holidays. Jackie Chan brings in the box office, and we look at the films Z C Z Twelve. God, that's hard to read. And Jack Reacher. This is East Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and lots of stuff in between. It is Thursday, December 27th, 2012. As usual, I'm your host, surviving the Mayan apocalypse, Paul Fox, and joining me, a fellow survivor, from his super secret location right here in the Fragrant Harbor, is Mr. Kevin Ma. I am Mayan zombie. Oh, uh, <laughs> Paul, everyone. How are you, Paul? How are you doing? How was your holiday? Uh, it was good. Uh, Christmas, uh, you know, did watch a movie, watch a couple of movies, you know, had some hot pot, uh, hung out with uh, a friend of a show, Kozo, mm-hmm. and uh, Shelly, and of course, uh, Kozo's wife. Um, and watched The Bang 2, the new, the new uh, Salman Khan film. Oh, uh, yes. Lots of fun. How was that? Uh, how about you? you? You spent Christmas with your family, right? Uh, how how was uh, yes, uh, it? This is my first Christmas in Hong Kong um, in 12 years. The last time I spent Christmas in Hong Kong was right after I moved here in 2000. And every year since, I've been returning home to the U.S. Uh, to do the family thing. But this year, with our new little bundle, we figured it uh, wasn't a good time to travel. So the parents came here. And uh, they had a nice time. Uh, f- thankfully, they had no hiccups on their flight over or on their flight back. They just returned and just barely missed the big storms that are blowing in um, to the northeast there. And so, <coughs> excuse me, they got home safe, had a great time. They enjoy, you know, they had a big time uh, hanging out with the baby. Had some nice cool weather for them. So um, we've kind of moved out of the swelter- swelter- sweltering heat that Hong Kong is normally uh, known for. And uh, so, yeah, really good holiday. Uh, we sort of had an express Christmas. Um, and those people who watch Modern Family will know what I'm talking about with express Christmas. Um, and it's partly my fault because the presents that I ordered, uh, I ordered from an online company. And I don't think I'll name that company here because I, I don't want to slur them per se. Um, but they did not deliver my order by the proposed delivery date, um, which was actually... Uh, a good, uh, uh, a good uh, twelve days before Christmas was the was the stated delivery date, and uh, it did not show up, and, and so I had no Christmas presents um, for Ouch. my family members. And uh, this is even worse. I also the, the my wife's uh, anniversary gift is part of that batch, um, which was Ooh. earlier this month, and that still has not shown up. And she's uh, kind of peering at me with. Uh, with a, a, a nice glare, we will say. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I'm still waiting for that stuff to show up. So we kind of had to rush out on uh, Christmas Eve and uh, do some, I did some last-minute shopping um, to sort of make up for that. Had, had a little bit of a rush express Christmas. But it all worked out. You know, shopping over here on Christmas Eve is much more relaxing than shopping, say, in the U.S. Uh, you don't want to go to a mall on Christmas Eve and try and shop in the U.S. But here, it's it's not, you know, because it's not really a big deal. A lot of people don't really do the whole uh, get up on Christmas Eve and open presents kind of a thing, um, <clears throat> or get up on Christmas Day uh, and, and do that. Uh, so everything worked out. I had a nice time, and uh, I'm I'm ready for uh, the end of the year, if not the end of the world. Wait, I assume you didn't go to Jesco on Christmas Eve to buy anything, did you? Because... I was there on Christmas Eve, and I was buying dinner for myself and and all that. And the lines were amazingly long. Apparently, Hong Kong people, they don't do the Christmas um, uh, present opening thing on Christmas morning. But I think they do it Christmas Eve mm. at the parties. And, you know, I guess that's when they do their big Christmas dinners. Yeah. So the supermarket was crazy packed. 
that night, actually. Really? Well, uh, we were out during the day, and uh, we weren't at Jusco. We were at a former Jusco, which is now turned into a, sh- a, a chain called Yata. And uh, But I didn't actually do any shopping in Yata. I went to a, a shop called Log On and found some nice little gifts for everybody involved. And uh, uh, I went to the uh, snuck over to the to a DVD shop and I uh, got my dad a couple of Blu-rays, and uh, <laughs> he liked that. And so uh, yeah, everything turned out uh, turned out well, we'll say. And it was a good Christmas for all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God bless us, everyone. Um. So yeah, there you recorded that. that, did you? Oh no, <laughs> it's gonna come back and haunt you. Don't worry. Um. So yeah, the, I, I'm glad you had a nice Christmas, and I'm, I'm glad you got to go and. See some movies. I've been hoping to get there. There are so many Christmas movies out right now, and I've only seen about a quarter of what I actually want to get and watch. So hopefully, I'll be able to get and get out and see some stuff before the new year. Um, but yeah, we are here to talk about films. So what do we have on the agenda for today? Um, well, first of all, let's look at the chat room. Uh, Kenneth says, Panic Gift. Dad, here's Kung Fu Mahjong 4. Well, you're close. You're close. My 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 pan. Words my, that none of us should ever yeah, have to hear. My panic gift for my dad was actually the Blu-ray of Vulgaria, which I I think he'll like. Um, so not 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 a bad gift. But yeah, we're, we're what are we gonna are we gonna be talking about panic movies this week? What what's up with our films? Yeah, no, we're not talking about Kung Fu Mahjong Four this week, Sally. Uh, yeah, this week for East Screen, we'll be talking about the new Jackie Chan film. Uh, Z CZ. I, I have trouble with this. C Z12 or CZ12 if you're American or Chinese Zodiac uh, for for those who are tongue tie like I am, uh, and for West Screen we'll be talk I'll be talking about uh, Jack Reacher. All right, so all of that and a little bit more coming up right after a little bit of news. All right, so uh, it's been kind of a slow news period. Uh, whereas we wind down the year, everybody's talking about, you know, the kind of kind of the year in review and stuff like that. I guess we'll come back maybe next week and talk about some of our thoughts on the year in review. Of course, um, if you have got nothing better to do, please head over to the lovehkfilm.com website and uh, look at look at the uh, results that are coming in slowly but surely for. Um, the uh, best Hong Kong films of all time, and including some of the best performances. Um, have you been paying attention to that, Kevin? Oh, of course. I mean, I I'm sitting next to um, Kozo as he as he's uh, working on this, and he's working very very hard on this. Um, even to to the um, risking his health. Actually, really, he he, he didn't feel a couple of days ago and had to stop working on it, and he's already you know quite stressed out about finishing this thing on time for mm. everyone so so it's clear that he, he really wants to get this thing uh out there for everyone so um yeah I'm, I'm i'm paying attention to it and of course i'm giving giving him uh feedback real time yes. next to him when i'm at work Moral and uh, yeah we're, we're talking about this quite a bit yeah um so so yeah go take a look at that and it won't be too long and we'll he'll probably have to get to work right on the uh uh the uh, love hk film awards uh for 2012 well, that's hard work for us, you know, for yeah. us who, who who hasn't been able to catch everything, you know, like... like yeah, we'll, I've definitely got a lot of catching up to do. Um, but we do have some news to talk about this week, a couple of sort of um, off-the-cuff news stories, if you will. This first one coming up from um, our favorite news site, uh, filmbizasia.com, from Stephen Crimmin. This is from um, today, actually, Thursday, December 27th, uh, talking about the box office over here in Hong Kong, specifically over the Christmas holidays. Uh, which were the 24th, the 25th, and the 26th, um, because they celebrate Boxing Day over here as well. Um, Although I still don't really understand what Boxing Day is, being an American. Um, But anyway, the box office was dominated by uh, Hollywood films, pretty much. Um, The the article goes on to talk about uh, The Hobbit uh, taking in uh, Hong Kong 6.62 million, or roughly U.S. uh, 884th. Uh, thousand during this three-day period, bringing it to a current gross of uh, 28.5 million Hong Kong, or about 3.68 million uh, U.S., and that's just roughly after two weeks in the cinema. Uh, coming in second and third place were The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 2, and uh, the uh, animated film from, uh, is this for, who is this from, Sony or DreamWorks? Uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Disney. Uh, oh, that's Disney, really? Okay. Yes. Uh, interesting. Um 
with uh, 5.63 million and 5.09 million, respectively. Um, uh, both films have only been out about seven days, about a week. Uh, the musical Les Miserables. Now, this is a word I can't say. Can you say this, Kevin? Les Miserables. Yeah, there you go. Les. <laughs> we, we need a Frenchman. Uh, where, where's uh, where's uh, Sleazy K? Uh, we we need uh, somebody from Europe who can you know twirl out some some French accent for us. I, I think we assume that all Europeans speak each each other's language. Yes, so yes yeah, I'm it's, it's kind of it's kind of like European. It's kind of like all Americans can do a Valley Girl accent, a New York accent, and a, a Southern redneck accent. Right? It's it's just expected that Americans can do that. Um, yeah, like totally. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so yes, that film opened on Christmas Day and took in uh, Hong Kong 3.71 million, or about uh, 479,000 Hong Kong. Um, so it's only actually been open a couple days. And of course, what we're going to be talking about in just a little bit, Jackie Chan's Chinese Zodiac, uh, the highest ranked Chinese language film, uh, secured 2.94 million, uh, or about 380,000 uh, US dollars over the three-day period. Um of course, you've still got Ang Lee's Life, Life of Pi going on. Um, it also talks about Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol uh, uh, in, compa- in comparison from last year and the original uh, or part one of the Twilight Saga uh, and Sherlock Holmes Game of Shadows. Wow, that, those seem like such a long time ago. <clears throat> but actually, It's been a long year. Yeah, a really long year, I guess, uh, at least for film. So I don't know any... Any surprises or, you know, pretty much what you were expecting in terms of box office numbers? Well, considering that we had no real um, Chinese films to to compete, uh, let's face it, Chinese Zodiac, you know, Jackie Chan in Hong Kong, not a real competition here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was really by by default that Hollywood dominate because no Chinese films would, would, would dare to go against these films. Um the guillotines, let's face it, is going to flop this weekend. Uh, the stars aren't appealing enough, and it's even flopping in in, in China. Um, Feng Shaogang wasn't ever going to make money here, nor will Lost in Thailand not even going to open here. And we'll talk about Lost in Thailand actually right after this. But um, you know, no, no, no real surprises actually. Um, the Hobbit, uh, the that number is very much inflated because of the 3D prices and the um, uh, ticket inflation for length. So actually, uh, I think that's at least a twenty to thirty percent boost. Yeah. And is, uh, is there is there also a little bit of inflation going on if you're watching the uh, the HFR version, the high frame rate version? Well, I think that that version is already three D, so that already has the the inflation and as, lo- as well as the um, the length. Mm. I think some cinemas are also inflating for HFR, but I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter because it's only about five to six screens. Mm. That's that's still doing it. So. The HFR uh, inflation isn't doesn't really put a put a put a really big bump on it, but the big number of course 3D and length, which means that number 28.5 million is actually about 20 to 30 percent above what um, audiences likely pay, you know, 10 years ago when they watch uh, Return to King. So actually, that that is a really weak growth uh, for a film that has that comes to an established franchise uh, after two weeks. Uh, with that kind of price inflation, you probably expect something like thirty-five mil already by now. So they yeah, should—they should have named the film "Return of the Bling," right? <laughs> <laughs> Return of the Ring, Return of My Precious, something like that. But no, it's—it's uh, um, it, you know, it's it's to be expected, I suppose. Um, I guess people weren't really into watching a three D movie with all that extra ticket price inflation, so that that could have happened. But of course, Twilight's always been um very popular here, and the last installment, of course, was popular. Wreck-It Ralph is a kid's film, so uh, it would do well. Les Miserables actually uh, is quite amazing because um, a lot of the cinemas are only putting it in one screen, which is uh, very unusual for a big uh, tentpole film. Tentpole film in multiplexes, they usually would put up you know, two, three screens, especially when it runs two and a half hours. But cinemas are insisting on keeping it on only one screen even this upcoming weekend. So, And I watched it this weekend, so I, I know that it's very difficult to get tickets to it because all the shows are being sold out because theaters only show four shows a day. Hmm. Um, and it, I think it, that is very much an intentional move from the distributor. To, it's um, not an overly long film, right? It's not like three, the, the, the nearly three hours length of The Hobbit, is it? It's two and a half hours long. Yeah. Actually. So, um, but actually the, the amazing, I think, I think they're doing this, um, this thing to create, to show that, that, you know, it's a hot ticket. It's a, it's an on demand thing. And, and they're trying to keep this um, momentum going until the Oscar nominations, perhaps. 
I think that's a good strategy. And and the film will have a lot of fans. Personally, I have my own. I'm mixed about it, but I know that locals are really in love with this film, especially because of the music and the stars. Um, and this film is going to do very very well by the end of the, I think by the end of its run. Um, of course, Life of Pi, amazing, forty mil. Um, uh, because of word of mouth, uh, we've talked about how good it is already, and it's no surprise that it would do this well, just as it has done in China. But actually, I'm a little more surprised about um, um, Jackie Chan's film. Yeah. Uh, because I didn't expect it to do this well. And when I watched it, I think um, we had a good 50, 50% capacity, and it was the second night uh, last Friday. Uh, and it's done well enough. It's a huge hit in China, of course. Again, we'll talk about this right after this. But um, to have made five million after a week, uh, that's I think they already beat 1911's gross about three times. Yeah, in Hong Kong. So um, I guess it's the whole family factor and um, people who 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 actually can get past Jackie Chan's statements and just wanted some uh, family film that they can watch that doesn't involve vampires or three hour hobbits. So um, they chose it, and um, you know it's it's okay. Uh, but again, you know the, the fact that it's done well in China again shows that Jackie Chan doesn't really need us anyway. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Well, you said three hour hobbits, and that sounds like something you'd order, right? I'll have the three hour <laughs> hobbit. <laughs> three hours or it's free. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah. Okay. So that brings us into our next bit of news. Uh, exactly talking about uh, the. Uh, Jackie Chan's film, uh, Chinese Zodiac, or CZ-12, uh, as the Hong Kong title lists it. Uh, this article also coming from Film Biz Asia by Patrick Frader from yesterday, Wednesday, December 26th, um, says that it's really, really raking in the money uh, throughout Asia. It says figures for the opening weekend to the end of Sunday, uh, December 23rd. So this is not including some of those extra uh, holiday uh, hours that we're, we were just talking about for uh, Hong Kong. Um, but by the end of Sunday, it had taken in 37.1 million. Um, and this is, um, I guess, the overall Asia figures. Um, so doing very, very well. Thailand uh, took in um, about uh, 526,000. Uh, Malaysia uh, grossed 1.64 million. And Singapore uh, managed 1.067 million, right? Um, so really doing uh, some big numbers. I guess, you know, the, the Jackie Chan name still carries a lot of weight uh, in the international market. And I'd have to, I have to agree, and we'll, I guess we'll talk a little bit about this when we get into um, discussing the film proper. But uh, my, I went on a Saturday uh, afternoon matinee screening, and it was full. Um, of course there, you know, as I was standing in the lobby waiting for them to, um, let, let us in, I did notice that quite a few of the people waiting to get in were speaking Putonghua or Mandarin. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to, I, I mean, I, I know it's doing well here, but it's kind of hard to gauge whether his, you know, his personal statements are having an impact on, uh, you know, things he said we talked about last week are having an impact on ticket sales. But uh, certainly it's not affecting ticket sales in the international arena. So we yeah, will... Because, yeah, because, I mean, everything he said has, has really more offended locals. I mean, I know young Hong Kong locals who will never watch this film. Mm -hmm. They will never watch a Jackie Chan film ever again, essentially. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't really matter to, to older audiences or to family audiences who, you know who just wants entertainment and, and don't care about or don't read or don't go online to read about what Jackie Chan is saying or okay. don't read about people who are angry at him. And, um, and like I said, they, they, they go to the box office and they see what they want. They see, you know, this big budget Jackie Chan film and then they, and it's family friendly kind of, and they go in. Now it's done, it's done very well in China. Um, I think already made 270 million RMB in a week. Uh, and, um, of course that doesn't really, you know, it's going to do well in the end. Um, but uh, the, 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 the thing is that because it costs so much money, it costs 300 million RMB to make, which is about 48 million US dollars mm. to make. So um, considering that all those other Southeast Asia markets, they pretty much just sold the rights um, to to it. And uh, so I don't think much of that growth will go back to, to Jackie Chan. Um, they, they're really looking at the how much they how many countries they sold the rights to, which I'm sure will do very well in that market. And uh, of course, as well as looking at the uh, the China box office, and I think in the end they will at least break even. 
even though they won't be really making breaking into cash or making lots of profit um but it will it looks like that you know it was a big financial um financial uh risk and they they they, they may break even in the end hmm. they, they, i guess the interesting thing to for me to think about here is you know if the film does end up doing well especially when you start to get into some of the aftermarket sales you know video and that stuff um will this prompt jackie i mean because didn't he say that this was his last action film he's i think he, he makes it he has a lot of like oh except this this except this this because he's yeah. already making police story 2013 and you can't yeah. make a movie called police story about action um well you so could <laughs> well you could but it wouldn't be a jackie chan police it's just story jackie movie. chan at a donut shop right for two hours <laughs> <laughs> i would not watch jackie chan doing like a doing like a, a david mamet or anything you yeah. know i <laughs> Jackie doing David Mamet doing Police Story. I would never watch that. Um, so you know Jackie Chan doing Police Story. You know he's gonna it's gonna be some action involved. So clearly this is not his you know last. I guess this is his last big budget globe trotting action movie, hmm. so to speak. Um, so this means a lot to him. So of course he went all out on it, and uh, the film had a long production, and um, it's a uh, okay swan song. Of course we'll talk about the film later, but actually it was the biggest story this week in in Chinese box office, uh, continuing from. What we were talking about, uh, Zodiac, um, a comedy, a little comedy called Lost in Thailand, is now the highest-grossing Chinese film ever. Yeah. So what's up with this? I mean, yes. um, can you tell this? This film wasn't on my radar and seems to have kind of come from out of nowhere. Oh, actually, in China, it, it gained some buzz because the film is kind of a thematic continuation of a film called Lost on Journey which was actually directed by a Hong Kong director named Raymond Yip and produced by Manfred Wong. It's kind of like a China take on um, uh, plane trains and automobiles, starring Wong Bao Chang and Xu Zhen. Xu Zhen, you may remember as the best man ever in uh, Love Love in the Buff, the guy who who goes after Miriam's character in the film. Um, So they start in their first installment, and for the thematic continuation, the sequel called Lost in Thailand, um, Xu Zhen's making his directorial debut. Uh, So he's in it. With Wang Bao Chang again, and they added on Huang Bo. So it's these three in a in a comedy that takes place in Thailand, and uh, there was a lot of buzz because it was coming in as the only comedy in in December, uh, and 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 of course the Lost on Journey brand was was good. It was already you know had a good reputation, and the stars are known to be you know good comedy actors, and um, everyone was expecting to do well, you know, like 100, 200 mil, but it literally blew up now it's already it's already it's only been out for two weeks and it's already made 720 million RMB, which has beaten painted skin which which is what painted skin resurrection made in like a month um and this may become the first uh chinese film to cross the one billion uh yuan uh or RMB line and i have no idea why i'm watching this t- i'm going actually i'm going across the border to shenzhen tomorrow to watch this film um but yeah, I, I have no idea why. Uh, I, I intend to try and explore it in a blog entry later on. But um, yes, this is a story that's essentially on the tip of everyone's tongues in China right now. This, this you know, sleeper comedy that came out of nowhere and essentially uh, becomes a blockbuster of the year or ever. Hmm. Well, I mean, uh, we're going to be getting it uh, here in Hong Kong next month. Is that right? No, we're not getting lost in Thailand, actually. Um there's because it's all mainland stars, and uh, there may be maybe someone will eventually pick it up right. in about half a year or oh, a year really? later. I thought, I, thought, I thought I heard it was coming here. Maybe I'm no. mis- maybe I'm confusing it with another film. No, where where did you hear about this? I I don't remember now. I thought I had I had uh, I had read it, or may, I'm, I'm I'm definitely confusing it with something else. Then you may um, be confusing it with Beijing Blues, which is the uh, that, Golden that, Horse uh, yeah. Award winner, which would get one screening here uh, at the end of next month. That sounds uh, great. As far as I know, Lost in Thailand, um, it will probably get theatrical here eventually, a really small release. Because let's face it, the, this kind of film, these stars, Hong Kong has no interest in this whatsoever. Hmm. Uh, and it's very interesting to see that this this mainland made film um, beating out actually all these Hong Kong, all these films by Hong Kong directors. Uh, Jackie Chan um, is the only thing that's closest to it. But Guillotine, the Guillotines and The Last Tycoon both opened last week and they're both doing actually not very well in China. Um, they're nowhere near these 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 two films uh, level. So it kind of shows the Chinese film market starting to um, uh, lose its dependency or on on experienced Hong Kong filmmakers and kind of 
making films on their own, making successes on their own, and and working out the and because they know the market, they know what their audiences want, and they no longer need Hong Kong directors. Mm. Seems like um, so it's gonna be very interesting to see. Um, because last year there was Love Is Not Blind. This year now we have Lost in Thailand. It's signaling something about the Chinese food industry that again I will I will talk about a little bit later in uh, a blog entry. But um, it'll be very interesting to see how Hong Kong filmmakers uh, try and adjust to this new market trend. Hmm. All right. Well, we've got a couple of the news stories. Um, one news story, uh, what is this? No Asian films at Oscar Best Foreign Film Race? Yes. Uh, last Friday, the, the Academy Awards announced the, the shortlist for their best, uh, best foreign film run. And uh, unfortunately, none of the Asian films uh, made it. Uh, representing Asia, we had uh, from Korea, we had Kim Ki-duk's Pieta which was the winner of the uh, the Golden Lion, I think, or was it at, at Venice, at the Venice Film Festival. Johnny Toast's Life of Principle, um, Taiwan's uh, Touch of the Light, um, also uh, India's Barfi. Uh, none of those films, uh, sadly, gone. Wasn't the, Caught in the Web in there? Caught in the Web, yes, for China. Also, did not, did not get in that shortlist. Instead, um, the Academy Awards chose the representatives from Austria, Canada, Chile, Denmark, France, Iceland, Norway, Romania, and Switzerland, and all white people. <laughs> you know, Canada shouldn't count. It's freaking, <laughs> well, you know what they well, say? It's it's America's hat, right? I mean, I, I half I, I'd say more than half of the U.S. TV shows are filmed in Canada. <laughs> well, actually, this one, this uh, this from War Witch from Canada is actually about um, I think children soldiers in Africa. Hmm. So it's only it only represents Canada. Because of the financing and the nationality of the director, but um, it's it's very much a, a foreign film. Um, I, of course, the the two of the all the, all the uh, representatives I've only seen um, the Intouchables from France, which was a great commercial film uh, from France, a huge hit. Um, and that's you know I see I haven't seen Amour yet by M- Michael Haneke. Uh, of course, that one will will be opening in Hong Kong uh, soon. But yeah, um, again, sadly, just no nothing from Asia. I guess Asia just couldn't compete. With these hmm. these these European films this year, racists. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, hopefully, uh, better luck next year. Yes. For, for uh, final bit of news: Grave Bandits wins best film and best director at MMFF. Woo! Yes. Uh, the, uh, us here. Sorry, this is kind of a personal shout out because uh, Hexagon Concepts, a, co- a company that I co-founded with uh, Marco Schwamberg, uh and then and, and Diogo Martins and then uh, Jürgen, um, Jürgen Herbath. Uh, we've, they, the team has been working uh, on a campaign for a Filipino um, zombie film called The Great Bandits. I think uh, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago and the film was uh, in the Manila Metro Film Festival or Metro Manila Film Festival Um uh, new wave in, in new wave section as one of the five finalists, uh, and they had the screenings uh, uh, last week. And the festival, and it was a very successful run. Um, hopefully, we can get Marco on the show soon, uh, maybe um, upcoming in the coming weeks to talk about that that trip. Um, but yeah, the screenings were successful, and uh, the the award ceremony was tonight. And the Grave Bandits have won best fooling feature and uh, best director. So this came out fresh out of the oven from from Miller. And uh, yeah, congratulations to to the film and the director and uh, to Marco and, and Diogo for the hard work down there in Manila. Uh, yeah, congratulations. Right, congratulations, gents. I think that's going to wrap it up for news. So let's move on and talk about some film. Okay, so we've got one East screen film for this week, and that is the latest from Jackie Chan called CZ-12, or Chinese Zodiac, or, I don't know, like a hundred other different names, depending on where it's being opened. But here in Hong Kong, uh, it is called CZ-12. And so this is the story of uh, Jackie Chan, or JC, as he goes by. Although, uh, it's weird because um, in the Wikipedia entry, uh, they list his name as Asian Hawk. But that was never mentioned what? in the, yeah, that was never mentioned in the version I saw. So I don't know maybe if there's going to be a completely Western uh, dubbed version that that's what they'll call him. But everybody called him JC uh, in the version I saw. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, yeah, he stars as JC and he's basically kind of an art thief. 
uh, for hire, I guess, sort of sort of yeah. a, a mercenary. And he's got uh, a small team that he works with. And uh, he's contacted by uh, a, a large corporation, which is run by none other, none other than Oliver Platt. Uh, last time I think I saw Oliver Platt was 2012. And, uh, you know, go figure. Here he is showing up in a Jackie Chan film. And so um, they've hired him to try and recover uh, these these 12 Chinese Zodiac heads, which were taken off of the uh, Summer Palace in, um, in during the, uh, uh, it was during sort of the Opium War period uh, in China when the, Euro- when the European powers were coming in and, you know, basically trashing places and, and stealing art and, and looting because they could, you know, might makes right, that whole kind of thing. It's there in the history, and that, that's what this film lets us know many, many times. Um, <laughs> So basically, he is contracted to try and recover um, uh, many of these heads for uh, Oliver Platt's company. And that's where it gets really convoluted because, um, the, you know, the company, I guess, is in the business to make money. And they do so by actually destroying art to make other bits of art more valuable. And so I guess that's part of their motivation going in. But basically... It starts off as sort of a treasure hunt kind of a thing. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And then as the film progresses, it really gets into th- sort of three different stories um, f- from my perspective. Because as, he's, as Jackie and his team are trying to track down the locations of these heads, uh, one of their leads leads them to this old uh, French castle um, where uh, there is a young woman named Catherine who's living there, and uh, she is uh, basically uh, bankrupt, you know, for, for, for I, I don't remember the reason why she's bankrupt, but basically the banks now own all of her possessions, but she wants to get, she wants to convince Jackie to try and tra- retrace her grand, her great-grandfather's steps. Her great-grandfather was one of the admirals uh, during the early period when uh, one, of, one of the opium wars, and he was basically responsible for stealing a bunch of treasure. So this leads them sort of on a secondary treasure hunt where Jackie's claiming that he's going to re- help re- find what happened to her grandfather, or her great-grandfather, and at the same time he's looking for some treasure as well as these heads. So it's really, it, it really gets kind of hard to, hard to follow what's going on. Um, and so that sort of sets up a lot of the hijinks uh, throughout the film. It's, I mean, really, this is Jackie Chan's sort of Project A formula, where he's kind of a he's kind of trying to be like sort of an Indiana Jones Jones type of character, but he's got he starts off sort of very self motivated, but then you realize by the end he's Mr. Nice Guy again. Um, and there, there are really three different acts that you can see here. The first act I say is once a thief the Chow Yun-Fat, Leslie Chung movie with um, Cherry Chung. Um, it's about, like, going in and, and stealing art treasures from, you know, high-security places. Then they go on this second treasure hunt, and it gets, like, the Goonies or Treasure Island, because they actually get stuck on an island with pirates. <laughs> and it just feels like, wait, what's going on? What You know, this is, like, very far removed from the first act. And so then by the third act, you're back to sort of any typical Jackie Chan movie from the 90s, where he's got people after him, and, you know, hijinks ensue, and there's a foreign guy who's really good at martial arts that he's got to fight, and um, there's a lot of chaos and destruction with sort of his uh, use of the environment in, in trying to, uh, uh, to, to break up stuff. And going through, you know, sort of the whole undercurrent of this whole thing is that, yeah, China got robbed by colonial powers, and wasn't that a really bad thing that they did? And so now the world is, like, protesting and, you know, return the treasures of the world to the places they were stolen from, especially China. And if you don't do it, we're going to steal them back, because we can. Especially Chinese people. Yeah, and it's okay that we can, because it was our stuff to begin with. And that's fine, we get it, but they really kind of throw it in your face over and over again. And Jackie's character, he tries to take a middle ground. You know, he tries to say, yeah, yeah, this happened, but, you know, it's because of this. And, and okay, that was bad, but, you know, and the script really kind of fails on that that point. Um, 
And sadly, like almost any Jackie film, which brings in some unknown actors um, for, for some of the larger roles. I mean, like I said, Oliver Platt's there, but he's really got a smaller role. Um, but then they've got different dialogue going on, and some of the dialogue's just bad. Some of it's bad acting, some of it's just bad writing. Uh, and it's a combination that kind of feels quirky and awkward in a lot of places. Um, and again, it's really, it's just, for me, this is just my own sort of personal grievance, my own personal pet peeve. It's really kind of just, I don't know what the word is. Uh, it, it, it's just kind of pathetic, I would say, <laughs> to see Jackie trying to play this Mr. Nice Guy role, especially where relationships are concerned. There's a couple, there's like one scene where, uh, uh, I guess this French guy is dating, uh, this character, um, Coco, who's a, um, she's kind of like an art historian researcher that Jackie's trying to get some information out of. And so he goes to her houseboat and the guy's like, she, Coco's kicking this boyfriend out and he's like trying to apologize. And then, you know, the guy says something to Jackie like, oh, I'm trying to get my keys back so I can give them to my, to my other girlfriend. And then Jackie, like, gets angry at him and hits the guy or something. And I'm just thinking, really? Really, Jackie? <laughs> Based on what we know about your history, you're going to take this position? Um, you know, and then later, one of his, one of the people on his team, I guess a couple of the people on his team are actually, were a couple and they're splitting up and there's a, a child involved and he's like giving them counseling saying, no, you've got to stay together and, and, and be the family and, and this whole thing and the whole Mr. Nice Guy routine that I'm thinking... Seriously, Jackie. Seriously, <laughs> you've you've got you've got you know JC who you don't treat all that well, and you've got another kid by another woman that you cheated on, and you're gonna you're gonna take this position with the character, really. Um, and for me, I it's just hip. I don't. I know he's being a character, but it's this same character that he's always tried to portray himself as. You know, the smiling. Even on the poster, you look at him, and he's like this smiling Mister Nice Guy image. And for me, it's just too much. I mean. Get back to being serious douchebags like he was in, uh, uh, what was it, New Police Story. Um, <laughs> but he was okay. crying. He was crying yeah. douchebag. Yeah. Crying, regretful douchebag. Okay, whatever. Um, <clears throat> anyway, um, so, but there are some interesting cameos. Again, you've got Oliver Platt here. Kenny G, I mean, he just shows up in like this small minor place. You get, get a couple Hong Kong people in there. I won't spoil it. Wait, wait um, you actually saw Kenny G? Because I don't remember seeing him. I. I remember seeing a guy and Wikipedia says that guy was Kenny G and I'm like, okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> Wikipedia is wrong. I mean, um, but there were a couple of Hong Kong folks in there. Um, there's a thing at the end though with his wife. I don't know. Maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit. It seemed like maybe they were planning for somebody and that person didn't show up and cause the reveal was kind of weird at the end. I don't know. Yeah. Um, um the idea is that he wanted her to do a cameo, but she kept refusing. This is Jackie's story. I, I watched it on TV last week, actually. He, he kept wanting her to show up, and, and she refused to show up. And finally, when she said she did it, they only took one shot of her. Because mm. she was that, was that was all she was willing to do, essentially. And everything else, they needed a double because they didn't, she didn't want to be on set that long. So essentially, she... So that's how they kind of tricked her into doing cameo by putting her kind of out of focus yeah. and using doubles for the other shot. And that's the only way they, they kind of forced a cameo out of uh, Jackie Chan's wife. Yeah, it was just weird. Um, yeah. But anyway, you know, getting on to the, the sort of the meat and potatoes of the film, uh, it's a standard Jackie Chan movie. You, you've got, um, you know, the standard action that he kind of does for these. You know, he the, the whole opening sequence is basically Roller Man. If you know who Roller Man is, if you're not, go up and Google Roller Man and you'll see him. He's like this guy who wears... Um, all these wheels, and he kind of looks like a superhero. Um, so, you know, Jackie, he was he was a bit of a viral hit, I guess, um, I don't know, last year or earlier this year. Um, so Jackie kind of takes that suit and 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 makes it his own. And there's some really you know some interesting sequences that they do with that, um, but some of it is very obviously sped up. And I guess that would have worked in the '90s. I'm not so sure it works today. And I know Jackie's getting older and it's harder for him to do a lot of these stunts himself uh, and, and it's harder for them to make it look as dynamic as it, as it used to be. Um, 
but maybe it's time for him to, I don't know, slow down or, or take more mature roles um, rather than trying to be, you know, the center of attention all the time. He does, he does allow his, his co-stars a few moments to shine, but he didn't have any chemistry here with them. I didn't feel the same kind of chemistry as, say, he had with uh, Wang Liham in Little Big Soldier. You know, he doesn't really have a partner here that he can bounce off of. And, and so as a result, this is, you know, solely almost like a solo Jackie Chan performance. Um, now, that being said, uh, it's got a really decent budget, and especially the ending sequence. I mean, there's this whole sort of skydiving uh, ending sequence, which I still don't understand the point, the purpose of that whole thing. Um, but uh, it was I thought it was pretty well done. I mean, it was a lot more uh, special effects and, and bigger budget than I was expecting. Um, and I, I kind of liked that, that, that last part. Um, but I still don't understand the motion, the, the motivation behind what was going on. And of course, you know, typical Jackie Chan movie, family movie, by the end, everybody's happy. You know, uh, I, I hate to spoil the ending, but you know, you've seen one Mr. Nice Guy ending movie, you've seen them all, right? Um, <laughs> that being said, um, you know, despite the controversy with, you know, all the stuff's going on in his personal life, it's kind of a solid Jackie Chan movie. It's nothing spectacular, but if you've liked things in the, that he's done in the past, um, you know, I'd say it's a solid TV. It. Kevin? Okay. Um, okay, disclaimer. I, I don't care for what Jackie Chan said lately. I totally don't like his politics, and I think he's a douchebag who probably should shut up publicly. Um, to stick to the movies. Um, but with that said, I still watched the movie. And um, honestly, if you didn't mind, because I just saw Armor of, I just saw parts of Armor of God two on TV the other day, and essentially it recycles the same plot element. It, it about it's about Jackie taking a, a foreign woman uh, who is trying to find her great uh, 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 old rel dead relative in like in like uh, somewhere in the Middle East or something like that. It was that part. Um, but if you don't mind the stereotypes and the sexism and the juvenile humor from 20 years ago, then you probably won't mind it here because it's essentially the same stuff. Um, the women are, are totally stupid and silly. Um, the, 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 the ethnic stereotypes are all there. You know, you have the, the, the multi-ethnic pirate, <laughs> multi-ethnic brand of, you know, band of pirates. Uh, and of course the, the humor is very juvenile and, uh, you know, so it's totally an outdated film. It's not really your 2012 action blockbuster film, man. Um, and, and it feels kind of a, a retro that way, but not in a good way. Um, but the only new, newly added element is that, you know, the attempt at harmony, ethnic harmony. Yes, uh, it, it was quite didactic and stupid. You know, the whole argument where the Chinese woman is like, whoa, you guys stole all this from us. And, you know, after after like two two rebuttals from the from the uh, uh, the, the, the European girl, she goes, well, I studied history and she's right. And then, uh, and then the, the the patriotic Chinese woman, you know, talking about how it's okay to steal back from Europe because you know it belonged to us anyway. Oh, that's really didactic and and, and it obviously pandering to um, to a Chinese audience. Um, but the middle part was really fun. I, I kind of fell asleep in the first act, uh, parts of the first act when they're trying to set up the whole journey. But when they go to the island and there's a whole thing with the with the, with the gay pirates, uh, and you know the 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 ship, uh, some that that whole thing. Actually, I quite enjoyed that part. That was really fun. Um, not as much not as much traditional Jackie stunts. You know, Jackie was really known for his you know uh, really daring. You know, jumping off like twenty stories onto a piece of wood and then sliding down on a rope and stuff like that. None of that here. But you see that there was a, a lot of um, thoughtful action design here. Um, you know, people kind of, you know, very classical, uh, uh, a grenade flying around, hitting the right place, or um, the lever. Uh, there was a lever system in the in the woods, and then they were messing around with the ropes there. And, you know, that just really was some thought that went into the action design. So that, you know, it's, it's fun to watch still. Um, my biggest problem is actually the finale, where they shot uh, in a volcano, at a volcano in uh, Vernatu, whatever the hell that is. Um, most of that sequence was done in CGI and green screen. The only part that, that was shot um, is it, it, uh, not really a spoiler, but essentially when they finally land on the volcano and that's when they go back to, you know, real action. But a lot of that, that sequence was done on CGI and green screen. Why would you do that on a Jackie Chan movie? Well, to be fair, I, and that, I think that was one of the parts that I, I kind of liked and they show you in the credits how they did it. Um, uh -huh. 
you know, you're not going to get, you're not going to get uh, Jackie Chan and, and a bunch, because that was a really long sequence. And while some of it, you know, it, it, some of it might have been done by actual skydivers, um, you're not going to get all those close-ups uh, of Jackie um, well, doing of course. that, you know. Yeah, of course, but which is why I'm saying that I think the idea of that sequence is ill-conceived because why design a sequence in a Jackie Chan action movie that will be done in most CGI and green screen? That's what I mean. Y- mm. You know, why 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 design a sequence like that? I think that that kind of really destroys the point. It kind of you know it destroys the point of a Jackie Chan movie. Not you don't watch him to do because his, his whole his whole thing is about selling real action, real stunts. Uh, even now, you know, at his age, so so it's very strange. To, to I don't know. I, I, I have a I have less of a problem with that. I mean, he, again, he is getting older, and yeah. having him experiment with newer technology. I mean, we've we've lambasted you know sort of the young kids today. I mean, like the Nick Zays and the Stephen Fongs and some of the action work that they do because they only do it in front of green screen, and nobody's been able to come in and take a play take the place of you know Samo and and, and Jackie and Yun Biao and some of these other guys in terms of the physicality that they used to do. But Jackie's an old man now. I mean, yeah. I, I'm willing to cut him some slack. And I, I, I guess, you know, sure, a couple of the shots didn't look all that realistic. But overall, I think that the the concept of of that sequence, I was okay with. And, and especially when they kind of showed how they did it, that still took some some pretty good physicality. I mean, you, I don't think you'd see you or I getting up there and doing what they did. Well, right. you know, I wouldn't float. <laughs> I certainly <laughs> wouldn't. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, okay, okay. I'll, 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 I understand what you mean. So, so yeah, it's okay. Um, no, I, and I understand your point too. I mean, you you go to a, a Jackie Chan film expecting to see traditional Jackie Chan, and I we we got that, but I think he's he's t- toned it back. Sure, sure. I mean, and of course, age age wise, you know that that roller sequence. I mean, for what he's doing if that's all him i mean that that's pretty impressive as well um and of course you know you have the thing where he the the sequence towards the end and and uh the stuff on the island you know like i said the action design where he's you know going through little holes and small spaces and all that stuff not even punching people just doing that that whole like silent comedy um um, um acrobatic stuff you know that's still pretty impressive to watch um but anyway the crew the crew actually uh consists of a couple of uh at least actors that i know uh, Kwon Sang-woo, uh, actually quite a huge Korean star that I think Jackie is bringing over to China to try and find a Chinese audience. Um, Kwon Sang-woo is okay here, not not enough to do though. Uh, Liao Fan, um, a Chinese actor that we may have seen in uh, films like, uh, what do we see in Liao Fan? He was in uh, Ocean Flames and and most also uh, the Lin Chi Ling movie Love on Credit. Um, actually quite a prolific um, actor, although of course not a not a huge star, but yeah, uh, also in the assembly, by the way. Uh, so yeah, it was good to see him uh, playing backup. Yeah. Um, and unintentionally and... funny, I think, at parts where they do really um, um, exaggerated expressions. Sadly, the ladies with no name um, don't really fare as well. Uh, and I mean the two Chinese ones, uh, also including the, 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 the foreign lady. But that's really essentially a problem of a lot of these Jackie Chan movies, that he, they, they, he writes really weak female characters. Yeah. Um, but the audience, actually, how was the audience response uh, at your show? Some people laughed, um, but it wasn't, you know, a lot of the audience wasn't, they weren't as engaged as I might have expected them to be, I guess. Um, again, I think that in part, it's not, it's not that fresh. Um, a lot of the humor came from the, you know, the, and it was kind of redundant, you know, the, the, the French woman, um, Catherine was constantly because she didn't understand Chinese so Coco would start speaking uh, Mandarin and Jackie would be talking to one of his partners in Cantonese and then uh, Catherine would say oh what did Coco just say and you know he'd say oh she said something and then Coco would say that's not what I said you know and so a lot of people found that really funny the first time or two I thought it was okay but they kind of ran that joke into the ground yeah yeah I think uh it was obviously, you know, the whole thing about, yeah, ha, 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 you know, cultural, cultural misunderstandings are funny. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. yeah, it's and it's and funny. especially especially they they you know they kind of made Catherine look like a dumb blonde. Uh, and again, in, in, yeah, that's really a, a problem with these Jackie Chan films. Yeah, is that you know he makes really um, 
he doesn't write strong female characters at all. It doesn't know how to, I think, even. Um, I would say so. Yes, it was it was a little annoying, but actually the audience um, at my showing were they were quite into it. They yeah. they laughed and they you know they were laughing at the right moments and things like that. Uh, and of course we were laughing at the inappropriate moments if there <laughs> were any. Um, but anyway, uh, so so you know it seems like some pe- people are responding to it, um, and it's really popular in China, which I guess says something or say something about taste of people, uh, general audiences in China. I guess I guess they're not tired of the Jackie shtick yet um but apparently jackie got on the uh guinness book of records for having the most credit in the film he's the writer he's a direct he's a co-writer i think he's a director he's a star producer uh and what he's the on-set caterer apparently uh he even got a credit for stunt double which think hmm. about that for a second jackie chan yeah because there was a scene in the outtakes where he was a he was like a double for a soldier or something um, the scene where the soldier's butt gets dragged on the ground. I guess so, but but uh, and... to me, but to me, it, it feels like Jackie Chan took credits from a lot of people who actually worked on those. Yeah. So I am I am offering it now. I am putting an open offer. If you worked on CC twelve, CZ twelve, or Chinese Zodiac, and your credit was taken by Jackie, email me, and I will read out your name on this show to make sure you get your due credit. I yeah. promise. If that's not okay. incentive, nothing is. <laughs> Okay. Yes, I will give you your name back. If Jackie Chan took your name, I will give it back to you. I swear. Well, one one um, one thing that might be uh, of note to some uh, Jackie Chan fans, Ken Lo does make an appearance in the film. Um, if you're if you know who he is, he's been in most Jackie Chan films in some way, shape, or form. He's former, and he is pretty much the leader of Jackie Chan's stunt team. Yeah, he's the uh, he's former Jackie Chan bodyguard, if I remember correctly, and um, he's the guy with glasses that Jackie fights in uh, the end of Drunken Master 2, um, who can do the really high kick. He, he's, he's, got, he's one of the pirates here. and uh, I, I always look forward to seeing him. Uh, for, for some reason, and I think I told this story before, when I met Jackie in the U.S., um, God, years ago, when, his, when he wrote his book, he was having a book signing, and, and I got to go and, and get uh, attend the book signing. And... Ken Lowe was like standing there next to him, just, you know, hanging out, being a bodyguard or doing whatever. And I, you know, because I'd been so into Drunken Master 2 at the time, and I'd really loved Ken Ken Lowe in that film. And so I knew all about him, knew who he was, and I'd gone back and seen other stuff he'd done. Um, and he was there, and I was like, I was staring at Ken Lowe the whole time. Jackie was like signing my book. I didn't even pay attention to <laughs> Jackie. It was funny. <laughs> um, I was more starstruck by him than than by Jackie, um, but yeah, he's he's there. So if you're somebody he looks for, you look forward to, you'll see. Yeah, him. of course, uh, Ken Lo is is one of the most important members, if not the most important member in uh, Jackie Chan's stunt team. So yes, it's um, he's probably involved in the film heavily, even without you know, yeah. even without acting credit. Jackie yeah. probably took his credit though. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie took his credit, so Ken Lo. Ken Lowe probably did something on the film and got his name taken from the film. So Ken Lowe worked on this film. I'm telling you right now. He does get there. to speak Thai in this film. Yes, though. he's actually a Thai. Thai. Uh, he was raised in Thailand, or he grew up in Thailand, or he lived in Thailand for a long time. So he's actually um, um, a Thai Chinese. So so yeah, he speaks Thai. So it was good to see him. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's not the worst Jackie Chan movie ever. I know that 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 word of mouth isn't very good on this film, but honestly. If you kind of take that, you watch it as a, 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 kind of like a callback or a, 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 a retro film. Um, you start to excuse, I think, some of the problems with the film. So it's not really the worst Jackie Chan film ever. Because um, I've seen, you know, The Medallion. And I've seen, you know, all that really crappy American film. So it's not the worst Jackie Chan film ever. But it's definitely far from the best. Um, so in that, in that sense, I think I would just say TV it. All right, there you have it, uh, Jackie Chan, in his latest. If you if you if you're too anxious to wait for the video release, um, let me recommend again going out and checking out uh, the film uh, Once a Thief, and with uh, Chow Yun Fat, Leslie Chung, Shuri Chung. Uh, I believe there's both. Uh, I know there's a Blu-ray version out. Uh, I think there's still a DVD available, um, and that will kind of cover you for the first act and then pick up either Goonies or Treasure Island and that'll kind of cover you for the second act and then go watch uh, Armor of God 1 or 2 or Project A or something and uh, you'll be covered for the third act 
and there you go. That'll tide you over until the video release. All right. Shall we move on and talk about our West screen film? I think yep. we shall. Let's go. If I can find the bumper, and there it is. East screen, West screen. All right, we have one West screen film for this week, and it is, again, another aging star still taking up the action role. And uh, that is Tom Cruise in his latest Jack Reacher. Now, I haven't gone out and gotten out to see this yet because um, I'm still waiting for my Dianetics discount ticket, which will never come because I'm not a <laughs> member of Dianetics uh, or Scientology. Um, but, uh, Kevin, you've seen it, so what can you tell us about the latest effort from Mr. Cruise? Yeah, um, Jack Reach Around is the biggest, is the new Tom Cruise. Someone <laughs> caught it? Okay, someone caught it. You've been banned. <laughs> you are being banned from the Church of Scientology right now as we speak. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I think I'm going to get the show, oh, like the number, the no one under 18 list in like iTunes or something. <laughs> anyway, okay, Jack Reacher is the latest film produced and starring uh, Mr. Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise uh, is based on a series of novels by Lee Child um, about this character named Jack Reacher, uh, and this one is uh, based on a novel called One Shot. Uh, the 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 story is very basic. Um, the the film starts in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. A, a sniper um, in a very disturbing sequence actually he, he drives up to a parking lot and randomly shoots five people uh, in broad daylight. Um, and they, the police end up uh, arresting a man named James Barr, who was uh, once an army sharpshooter who, uh, who was in, uh, stationed in Iraq as a sniper. Um, and in his defense, all he does is ask the police to, to contact uh, Jack Reacher, who is a um, former military police officer, a brilliant investigator who, who has been kind of um, just drifting around the country for two, two years. No one knows why. Um, but of course, he shows up after hearing about the case, but for his own reasons, because he knows that James, James Barr was, um, had a history uh, with him uh, in a previous case. And uh, essentially, he showed up um, to, to, to make sure that, that James Barr gets his just desserts. But uh, as the investigation goes along, they, he finds out what he, or he already know from, from the opening scene that James Barr actually didn't do it and that he's been set up. By uh by an evil evil villain, uh, or evil group of villain played uh, led by the Zuck, uh, played by uh, German director Werner Herzog. Uh, so from then on, uh, of course, uh, Mr. Reacher has to find the truth and 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 kick a lot of ass and uh, and uh, prove that you know the James James Barr is innocent. So um, in the book, the Jack Reacher character is supposed to be six feet something and it's supposed to be really big and and. Uh, Essentially, will punch through, punch down anyone that gets into his way, um, and is you know super muscle bound. Uh, Tom Cruise is not that height. I don't think Tom Cruise is even six feet tall. I think I'm taller than Tom Cruise. I think, but so so clearly uh, he is uh, size wise, physical physical uh, abilities wise. Uh, Tom Cruise is not the right pick for the character, but um, he does get the attitude right. Uh, of course, Jack Reacher is a no nonsense. Um, a very strong character. Um, he knows he knows what people are up to. He's a again, like I said earlier, he's a brilliant investigator. He's a brilliant fighter. Um, so so um, I think Tom Cruise gets it okay. He has a lot of star power and and he he delivers it well enough that you know I think the audience that that was watching the film with me they were also really into it. Uh, they were also really into the character, uh, and I also enjoyed it a lot actually. Um, the film is written and directed by um, Christopher McCurry. Uh, who um, actually wrote and who wrote the Usual Suspects and uh, directed uh, the Way of the Gun, um, and he he's delivered a very um, no nonsense, also uh, very no nonsense, very old school '90s style uh, crime thriller um, that I think you know uh, one can watch on like cable. Could have watched on cable like ten years ago. I'll get into that a little more later. Um, it is a very patiently told film. It's not like a Michael Bay film. It's not quickly cut. It's it's very patient, but it's not boring. Uh, it keeps the audience involved. The score comes. The, the, there's really no music for much of the film, but it comes out necessary uh, uh, necessary um, moments. Um, it's very no frills kind of way. Um, but it does start off with a very disturbing scene. Like I said, the sniper scene, where the the, the guy picks off uh, five random people in the street. You see that 
essentially happening in almost real time. And uh, it's a very disturbing scene that would hit home considering recent events um, in the last year and a half. Uh, so it is, it is quite... Um, so it, it, it is a movie that will keep people uh, uh, on the edge of the seats. But at the same time, it's a very entertaining film. It has a, a lot of humor. Uh, like I said, Tom Cruise is a lot of one-liner. And uh, Werner Herzog, um, he doesn't even have to act. Clearly, they, they casted Herzog because the villain has a, his, his monologue. He has a monologue about um, he, when he was in uh, prison in Siberia to, to, to keep off the frostbite, he chewed off his own finger. And the only way that an actor can carry out this monologue is if you believe that the actor will actually do it. And Herzog has such a crazy personality, is such a crazy persona that when you see Herzog talking about chewing off his finger in Siberia, you believe that he would do it because it's Herzog. <laughs> so, so it was very, um, so it was very cool to see to see Herzog uh, uh, doing that. That you know, kind of making a bit of money, um, but having a little bit of fun, I guess, as in a, in a big Hollywood film as a villain. Um, I wish I could have seen this film on cable ten years ago on rerun in like pan and scan because it totally is overlit and and the cinematography you know it's totally unnatural it's not pre-filmed to look at but um you know it, it's it's very professionally done it's very proficiently uh, the look is very proficient but doesn't really have any personality to it in a way it's, it's very old school in a way that you know I, I i could watch it in double feature with like a crime film you know like um the last boy scout or like um jade or like uh double jeopardy see all these names you know these mid-90s um crime films that did that did you know that made some money but you know not a big hit um yeah i think a lot of my in- enjoyment came from that nostalgia you know the no nonsense you know the uh no shaky cam the um really straightforward crime film that's about you know a very that doesn't really talk about emotionally touching people not like the dante lamb action movie where you make people cry it's just there's a crime there's a really tough character who's going to solve it and, you know, he's going to save the day and then he and then he moves on and there's a sequel and then he does the same thing again, even another case. Um, and I think there's some kind of nostalgia for that kind of old school um, uh, crime films um, that people didn't appreciate then, but they may appreciate now after after a while, uh, especially in, in comparison to today's today's films. Um, and I think it would have made a great um, Joe Silver or Don Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer produced film, directed by Tony Scott. You know, starring like Bruce Willis or Denzel playing Jack Reacher or something. Um, essentially, better actors than Tom Cruise or tougher actors than Tom Cruise playing it could have been made ten years ago. Sadly, the book wasn't even written then, so um, so that that wouldn't happen. But um, I think that would be a great idea. And uh, even as it is right now, I, I enjoy Jack Reacher a lot. That's what it is. Uh, I can't say it's fun because there's that whole disturbing element to it, but it's a good little fantasy, death fantasy fulfillment action film. Uh, and I think it's worth a look at a matinee. So yeah, uh, yeah, see, see it. All right. Excellent. And uh, after you see it, you can hold your breath for, uh, what, what's his next film? Oblivion? That they're, uh, Oblivion. They're yeah, sci-fi. The that, for. Yeah. Kind that's of, more kind of, of your reality. Yeah, kind of excited about that, even though I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan myself. But I'll probably be watching that. All right, that's going to do it for our West Screen Films. So I think it's time to play this. You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Kongcast.com for more. I think that's going to do it, folks. If you would like to be part of the show, uh, please head over to the show website. That's www.kongcast.com, K-O-N-G-C-A-S-T, or just as one word, we've got uh, the domains for both right now. Uh, you can also head over to iTunes and uh, drop us a, you know, a line or a message over there. We'd be happy to hear from you. Leave us some feedback if you like the show or tell us what you'd like to see changed. Uh, Twitter, you can follow the show at twitter.com slash kongcast and... Uh, listen over there for updates and uh, changes to the schedule and if you'd like to follow me twitter.com slash foxlore of course i'm not tweeting about a lot of movie stuff these days um, more about just a general geeky stuff uh, that attracts my attention 
Uh, but if you're into film at all, please follow Mr. Ma over at twitter.com slash thegoldenrock. That is one word. And he tweets frequently about uh, films, films and box offices and all kinds of information. Too um, frequently, almost. Too frequently for some. Not <laughs> nearly enough for me. Um, one of the things come out today you tweeted was uh, the uh, making of for the new Stephen Chow film, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Did you watch it? It, it? I look forward to it now, yeah, actually. I watched part of it. I've, I've got to go back and watch the rest of it. Um, yeah, seeing Shu Chi do the... Um, seeing channeling Karen Mock and all those old uh, Jack, uh, Stephen Chow heroines. I think it, it, it's going to be quite fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, please follow him over at Twitter. If you'd like to get in contact with us directly, uh, you can leave comments over at the site, but, of course, you can email us through Gmail. That is eastscreen at gmail.com. Uh, send us a question, even send us a short audio file, and we might just play it here on the show. Uh, Facebook, you can catch us on Facebook, facebook.com slash East S, West S, and uh, Kevin's in charge of keeping that updated, and you can get in contact with him directly. If you're on the opposite end of the spectrum over at Google+, uh, just look me up by name, Paul Fox, and uh, you can get in touch with me over there. And if you're going to be passing through Hong Kong and you'd like to come out for one of our movie nights that we have here, whenever there's a local film being played, um, let me know, and I'll try and get you into that uh, private group. Uh, Stitcher, you can catch us on Stitcher. Listen to us on your iPhone, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, your, and your WebOS phone. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher Smart Radio, it's the smarter way to listen to radio, and we thank them for their support. Additional thanks to Rob Gubbers, Rob Gubbers of Snauzer Studios for our theme, and let me throw a quick message out that he's got a new album that's supposed to be coming out uh, the beginning of next year, and you can find out more details. Um, he's on Twitter. You can also head do a search for Schnauzer Studios. Um, and I really like his music, and if you like our theme, uh, you might want to check out his new album as well. Additional th uh, thanks to Ross Chen of LoveHKFilm.com uh, for getting us out and helping to organize movie nights, and, of course, the K-Man for being with us for... 134, so soon to be 135 episodes. And as always, you the listeners uh, for being out there and listening to us ramble on each and every week. Uh, next show will be next year. <laughs> Go Woo! figure. Uh, I think, feel like I need to have a little bit of a sound intro. What about this? There we go. How's that? What the? Does that work? Um, so, so yeah. Mellow. We're going to be, uh, episode 135 will be in 2013. Um, what are we going to be talking about? It uh, looks like maybe guillotines, uh, Twilight breaking something, breaking, well, hell no. breaking bad, breaking dawn. I don't know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I might get out and see that. Um, we've also got, uh, Les Mis, right? We're talk uh, about The Bang 2. Uh, the Bang 2. Yeah. You should definitely talk about that. Um. So a bunch of stuff on the radar. I might actually be able to get out and see Wreck-It Ralph. I've been dying to see that. Yes, um, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so a whole lot of stuff and much more in our next show next year. Until then, this is East Screen, West Screen, wishing you good viewing, and we'll see you next year. See you next year, everybody. Got you recorded that. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> it's gonna be on. It's gonna be the last thing anybody hears from the Golden Rock in 2012. <laughs>